Well, it's great to be together this morning. A very warm welcome to you. If we've not met, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the leaders here. And it's great to gather uh, together as a church. And as we do so, I want to encourage us as we come into a time of enjoying and delighting in God to, uh, through Scripture, I just want to bring an encouragement to us. Now, in the book of Hebrews, the writer summarizes a whole load of things he's saying with this phrase. Therefore, this is the end of Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, that is Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And whatever our circumstances may be as we arrive today, I want to encourage us there is a throne of grace we can approach with confidence. That's what scripture teaches us. A throne of grace which we can approach with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace. So friends, as we gather today, as we come to meet with God, let us come and find God's grace. Let's come and delight ourselves in him. Jason and the band are going to help us to do that and they'll be leading us in a moment. Can I just encourage you, if you have a contribution you want to bring, if I could ask you to come forward and find me so you can use the microphone so everybody can hear, that would be wonderful, but it'd be lovely to have some other contributions encouraging us and helping us to meet with God. Let's worship him together. Jason. Thank you. If you're able to, please can you stand? Yeah, just as Andrew said, Please feel free to uh, contribute this morning. If you're not feeling that you uh, have anything to contribute because you're maybe not feeling confident, let God be your confidence this morning because there are things that people need to be encouraged by and uh, he might have something for you to share. So just be encouraged by that.
Yes, Lord, you are good. You are faithful. There is no one like you. We lift you up this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you for who you are, Lord Jesus. Worship you.
chains are gone. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Amazing love. Amazing. When we when we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when. Praise your name. Let's lift up our voices. We've got so much to worship him for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We lift you up, Lord. Thank you, Holy Jesus. No one like you, Lord Jesus. No one that could fill us up.
strength is failing. The end draws near, and my time has come. Still, my soul will sing your praise. Children and young people, if you'd like to uh, go out that way, if you're a visitor, just follow the crowd to the kids' work that way. Yeah, Lord, we want to uh, bless the children and young people as they go out, Lord. We thank you for them, and, and we value them, Lord, this morning. We thank you. Would you bless them, Lord? Let them meet with you down there uh, as they spend time uh, together. Thank you, Lord. Cross will bring me home Jesus, you die. 
folks just going to share some words they feel God's uh, given to them. You don't need to sit down if you don't want to. Feel free to stay standing. Carol, do you want to come first and share? And then after Carol Olaf, please. Um, but yeah, as, as God wants to speak with us. He wants to engage with us. So let's hear these as they're uh, shared. And if they are fit for you, please respond in your heart or even ask someone to pray with you. Hello. Um, when Jason um, was leading us in this wonderful worship this morning and he said that God has given us a lot to worship, well, I thought, well, he has for me because two songs that we've sung today were sung on uh, mine and James' wedding day. And I just felt that there was somebody here who needed in the encouragement. I've, I may look 20, but I'm not. I've had to wait an awful long time to be married and I got married later in life, and I just um, felt that there might be somebody who needed encouragement, that it might feel you've had to wait an awful long time, but if you keep worshipping and keep praying, God will answer that prayer he did for me. Thank you, Carol. Um, I think that... um, God impressed on my heart, even as people were coming this morning, that there are some people who feel under condemnation this morning, and some people who have uh, listened to some lies uh, that the enemy has whispered in your ear, and um, you must not listen to lies. Um, The enemy wants to take people out. He wants to remove them um, from a place of confidence before himself. We've just been singing now, I'm a child of the king, and, and wonderful things that, you know, Jesus calls out your name. Remember to listen to the one who calls your name. He knows you by name. Don't believe the lies. Don't let the enemy take you out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord and you'll be okay. If you start listening to the lies, you're going to go down. 
look to the Lord and you'll be okay. Wonderful. I want to encourage you. If, if, you're, if you've just been struggling these last few days or even just today or these last few weeks and you're feeling perhaps distant from God, this is a great moment just to say, oh God, I want, I want to come back. I want to be closer. Lord, visit me afresh. Invite him. Ask to encounter him today. He is here and he is talking to us and he's wanting to encourage us to encounter him today. We're going to continue in, in our worship with Jason leading us. Thank you. Sing, we bow our hearts. Jesus, I'm a God. 
Isn't he good? He is wonderful. Um, we've got a, a, a guest with us today, Tony. He'd love to share something of his testimony. So can I encourage you to take your seat for a moment? Tony, please come and, come and join me and uh, tell us a little bit what's going on, been going on in your life, please. Um, hold on, you'll need the microphone. I will. Yeah. Um, I've introduced myself. Uh, my name's Tony. Um, I have been to church before, but it's the first time I've joined you, lovely people. Um, I won't bore you with the awful things that happened in my life. Um, maybe some other time later. Can you all hear me? Yeah. Fine. Um, well, I wanted to come because I had such a welcome when I came here uh, a short time ago. Effectively, Jesus called my name very recently. I was reading the Bible at home. Somebody lent me a copy of the NIV. And I was reading, and suddenly I read that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the living water. And I suddenly thought, if he wasn't, what a dreadful thing that would be. And I accepted Jesus Christ on my own in my house. I live alone now, unfortunately. Um, but it's been so wonderful coming here. Um, I'm going to come again. Thank you very much. Tony, you're so welcome. Bless you. Well done. What Tony may not know it was about two years ago, we prayed for him as a church. Not by name, because we didn't know your name at that time, but we knew your story. Yeah. And uh, we'll, I'm sure that we'll find out more of Tony's backstory in due course. But Tony has an amazing story of finding grace of God. And that's just so precious and wonderful. Tony, we love having you here. You're so welcome. Bless you. Um, Helen, where is Helen? Helen, do you want to come and lead us in some prayer? We've got an Alpha course starting, and Helen's going to tell us a little bit about it, I hope, and then lead us in some prayer for it. Is that okay? So Alpha, next Alpha course starts tomorrow, Monday. It's between 1 o'clock and 2.30, and as usual, it's some food, a video, and discussion time. Um, I'd like to quickly introduce the on-the-ground team. Uh, if you could please stand. Mari uh, Hall... She might not be here. Yeah, she's over there. Uh, Mark Rumsby's away. Uh, Steve Hannington. And uh, Tony and Jackie. Okay, that's the on-the-ground crew. Now, the next people I'd like to stand are those people who've promised to pray between 1 and 2.30 tomorrow at work, at home, um, uh, or actually here in the building. Um, come on, stand up. You know who you are. You've said that you'll be willing. Okay, is anyone else willing to pray with us? Can you stand? Are you willing to pray with me today for Alpha? Then can you stand? Yeah, if you can. Okay, you, we are the Alpha team. The ones on the ground and the ones in the heavenly realms. So if you'd like to join with me in prayer, that'd be fantastic. Father, Father of compassion, almighty God, changer of lives we ask you for the guests that are coming on the alpha course that their lives would be transformed and not
not transformed just for a moment, but for weeks and months and years, that to the end of their days, they will be being changed by you so that they can reflect your glory, so that they can bring your kingdom, so that they can bring compassion and love to the people around them. We ask that you would be with them, that you would change them. Father, I ask that you would be with the team, that you would be with the discussion leaders, with those uh, working in the creche, but most of all, that not only we would be transformed, but the guests would be transformed. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. Please take your seats. Fantastic. Thank you, Helen, for leading us in prayer for that. I, I didn't, I'm not sure you said this. If you did, I missed it. But what was it, 15, 16 guests, something like that? Which is just fantastic, isn't it? 15, 16 people exploring the Christian faith and uh, wanting to find out more. Great thing for us to be praying for. So please continue to pray for that. Well, this morning we have a, a special treat in that we have Andy LaRue from Vine Church Odium coming to speak to us just before he uh, steps up. I just want to also highlight, though, this is week one of a two-week special we're doing, as in next week we also have John Groves from Hope Church Winchester, who also oversees our church, uh, coming to speak with, uh, to us next Sunday. But, uh, I've got to know Andy since really um, coming up here a bit. We were involved in various uh, teams together at various points over the years. He's uh, a keen sailor. Um, or he was a keen sailor many years ago, <laughs> he's moved much more to running now and does all sorts of marathons and half marathons and all sorts of other amazing ventures which he gets up to. Um, leads the team at Vine Church in Odium, uh, who also have a congregation meeting over in Fleet as well. And uh, Andy serves as part of my team caring for churches in the UK. And uh, we've really got to get to know each other really well over these last five years and I so appreciate his wisdom, his insight. He's a man of the word, and yet he's a, pa- a man who's passionately driven and focused by the Spirit to bring something of the presence of God and God's goodness to us. So uh, please, I want to encourage you to receive him well and all that he has to share to us. He's going to be continuing our balance series. We, we've given him a tough old subject of money and possessions. So bless him. He's, uh, that's, that's not an easy one to be doing. But uh, Andy, we receive you. We're so grateful. Kate, it's lovely to have you with us too. Thank you for coming. Over to you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed, Andrew. Very much appreciated. Uh, sailing, my sailing exploits have, are limited to you and I going paddleboarding on the Basingstoke Canal a, a couple of months ago. But that was, that, yeah, I did used to have a boat, exactly. You're right, you are right. We spent our, our honeymoon uh, with a boat in the Lake District. So, yes, that was, uh, that was, that was fun. Um, that's true, good. Okay, um, do you want to just turn it down a tiny bit? I will then uh, be able to kind of turn my voice up a tiny bit as well. That's great. So, uh, yes, I've been given this wonderful topic of money and possessions. Um, Now, if you'd like to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6, that's what we're going to look at. But before we do, let me just tell you a quick story. So, back in March 2019, uh, remember that time? Uh, I was standing just there in a meeting, uh, a commission prayer and prayer meeting, And Guy Miller was talking about money. And we then had a time of prayer. 
And I can only say, I don't have this all the time, but I can only say on that occasion, the Spirit came upon me in such a tangible way as we were just standing here worshipping and thinking about the issue of money. And God really spoke to me at that moment. And just the background to that story is this, that in the building up to that time, Kate and I had been thinking about whether we should do an extension on our house. Uh, and part of that would be to improve our own uh, house. Uh, she's never had, we've never had a, a utility room. Uh, so it was kind of having things like that. But also we wanted to be hospitable and we felt God had spoken to us about being more hospitable uh, and uh, building some space so that we could have people to come and stay at a kind of little annex and stuff. So that was that. And then at the same time, we also uh, were thinking as elders about uh, remodeling and, and refurbishing in a significant way our church building as well in Odium. So that's the background. I'm standing here. The Spirit comes on me. God speaks to me about the whole Haggai passage. You know the whole thing there where it says, you know, you're, you're building your own house, but what about my house? And it was just this sense of God was giving me faith for both. Uh, both for our extension, but also for the work at the old school that God wanted us to do. And God spoke to me about how I was to be on a journey uh, with both of those things and how we were to be involved in both, giving into both, believing him for both, leading on both of those. So that was, that was then. And then guess what happened? We left this building, and I reckon that was the last meeting I was in for the next however long, because lockdown started, all right? And basically, it went silent. We had no money for either project. Uh, we had uh, no builders that we could talk to or meet with or anything. The whole thing just went absolutely dead and silent for over a year. Okay, that's that. I'm going to come back at the very end, so you have to stay to the end to hear the end of that story. But money. Now, Kate and I have been married for 25 years, just had our anniversary, and... Um, yeah, we've seen some amazing provision from God in our lives, some wonderful miracles, the one that I'm going to tell you a bit later as well, including included. But, you know, there's also been many ups and downs with finances. There's been many humdrum years of just making ends meet, of times of need and of times of blessing. Often, you know, in money, in financial issues, it's the small decisions, it's the little moments of financial wisdom or acts of faithfulness or, or kind of getting through on a tough thing that counts as much as the big miracles. I'm aware that this is a sensitive topic that we're looking at today. I live in the same real world as all the rest of you. And so I've been given this challenging topic. Thank you very much, Andrew, for that. And here I am, and I, I'm sure I'm going to tread on some toes, but I can exit quickly at the end, and so I'll be fine. But we're living at a time, you know, it's the cost of living crisis right now. There's 10% inflation, or maybe a little bit less, but 7 to 10%. There's energy bills. It's tough, isn't it? It's really difficult. Wesley, I think, said, Give as make as much as you can, save as much as you can, give as much as you can. Now, I think many of us at this time would probably think, well, you know, for me, just to make enough for me to get through the month, let alone giving and saving, I mean, it's like trying to square a circle. How do I do all of those things? My goal for you today is to leave you with a renewed faith for finances. You see, with money and possessions, the topic can either leave us with a, a, sen a sense of stress and gnawing anxiety and guilt and condemnation, or it can leave us in a place of trust 
and faith and obedience and opportunity and even adventure with God. And that's where I want us to be. Now, our theme this term is balance. And I want you today to get some kind of balance, not so much the worldly balance of the Martin Lewis, although he gives great advice, but I'm talking about a biblical balance, which is not so much kind of standing with two feet firmly on the ground, but probably a little bit more like balancing on a tightrope. But actually, there's an invisible string holding us. And as we walk with God in that place of faith, and we try to be balanced with what he's telling us, actually, he's got us. And we are actually in the safest place we can be. So, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I want to talk to you today, and I'm going to try and rattle through these six attitudes towards money and possessions. And I'll give you a clue. Only two out of these six attitudes is a good one to be in. The other four, uh uh-uh, all right? And I'm going to read, first of all, 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 17. And from this passage, we're going to see the first three attitudes. It says in verse 17 of chapter 6, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That's my first passage, and we're going to get our first three attitudes from this passage, and then we're going to jump back a few verses to a couple more verses where we're going to look at our other three attitudes. So three, six attitudes towards finance. The first is arrogance. It says here in verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. If we are at least relatively rich, there's a danger that we can be proud and arrogant, self-satisfied and self-sufficient. And it's so easy to do that, isn't it? Now, just to say something here, there is a difference between saving and hoarding. And I think the Bible encourages us in a modest kind of way to save. Think of the ant who puts away for the winter, says the Proverbs. Think about Joseph who saved for a drought. And saving is a good thing, even just a little bit, if you can, each month or whatever, can make a big difference in the long term. There's nothing wrong with that, but hoarding in a miserly kind of way is not encouraged building bigger and bigger barns for yourself so that you never release funds today because you wish to be an impenetrable fortress of financial independence in the future and you're just holding it all on. You're not using it strategically for the kingdom. It's just all about you. That is is discouraged. Jesus talked about a guy like that, didn't he? Do you remember the farmer who had that windfall and stored it up and then Jesus said, you fool, today your life will be taken. A man's worth does not consist in the abundance of his wealth. See, the selfish hoarder eventually dies having squirreled it all away. There was a funeral on one occasion with a wealthy woman, and someone nosy asked the minister at the end and said, how much did she leave? And the the minister said, all of it, all right? 
And so that's the thing. It's not all about, you know, who dies with the most toys wins. In verse 17, it says, rather, we should put our hope in God. I would suggest that all of our lives, yes, have a pension, save for your retirement. Those things are good, but we live in a place of dependence of God, on God, all the way through from our first job, all the way through to our retirement, all the way through to the end, all the way through our lives as children as well, trusting and being dependent on God. So don't be arrogant. The second is the ascetic. The ascetic is somebody who really kind of thinks that it's bad to enjoy the good things that God brings, the person who is unable to enjoy the blessings that God can bring. In verse 17b, it says, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And in back in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, Paul says, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. We used to sing a song, and maybe still do. Do you remember that song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glorious, glorious grace. But I kind of have a slight problem with that line. I mean, I get the song. I understand what it's trying to say. But actually, you know, as we look at Jesus, I wouldn't say that the things of earth necessarily become strangely dim. That's a kind of neoplatonic idea whereby material things are kind of not really so good. We feel a bit guilty about enjoying material things. I would suggest that actually as we turn our eyes on Jesus and we do that first, then the things of earth can grow strangely bright. As you go out in the countryside, suddenly you see it through your creator's eyes. Suddenly you can enjoy the gifts that come, keeping your eyes on the giver, but actually enjoying the things that he gives to us. We're told in Psalm 104 that God gives wine to gladden the heart and oil to make our face shine and bread to sustain us. It's not just some carb balls and a protein lump and some vitamin tablets. We're allowed to enjoy food and different flavors and tastes. It tells us in that same Psalm 104 that even there's these giant whales and giant fish that just gavort and frolic in the sea just because God enjoys watching them do that. God enjoys this world and we can enjoy this world. We can enjoy every legitimate pleasure that God gives to us. If we need to have a holiday to be refreshed so that we can come back and we can be more effective for the kingdom of God, that's absolutely fine. We don't need to have this low-level kind of guilt as evangelicals about those things. So the third attitude that we could have, we've seen the first two. The third is the altruistic. In verse 18, Paul talks here about being generous. He says, command those who are rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they'll lay up treasure for themselves. So notice there, it doesn't say, command those who are rich in this world to sell everything and give it all away. Now, there are occasions when God calls us to do that kind of thing, sure. But generally speaking, what it says here actually is that you're to use the things that God gives you for his purposes, to use them strategically for the kingdom. I think sometimes we can misunderstand Jesus' words when he said, 
Anyone who wants to follow me must give up everything. I don't think that necessarily means that he's telling us we have to give away everything. Rather, what it means is that we give it all up to him. We surrender everything to him. Martin Luther believed that we need three conversions. One of the heart, second of the head, and thirdly of the wallet. And he said that the last of these was often a test of the reality of the first two conversions. You need to be willing to surrender everything to him, to say, Lord, it all came from you. You gave me the ability to produce wealth, as it says in Deuteronomy 8. And I'm not going to forget you, but I'm going to give it all and submit it all to you. And so let me encourage you folks today to be open-hearted, to be rich in generosity, to be open-handed, to look for every opportunity to give for the kingdom, to serve, to give your gifts and your life and your possessions, use your home for the purposes of the kingdom. So we've seen the first three attitudes, and I'd like to see some thumbs up and some thumbs down from people here, okay? So are you ready, okay? The first attitude, the arrogance, what do you think? Thumbs down. The second attitude, the ascetic, thumbs down. And the third attitude, the altruistic, brilliant, the altruistic. Now, let's have a look at the other passage, because in 1 Timothy 6 and verse Uh, 6, it says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So let me give you three more attitudes towards money. The first is not so much an attitude, but a position that someone can be in, the critically poor. And in verse 8, Paul says, if we have food and covering... And that word covering really means clothes and shelter. Then we'll be content with that. So let's just be clear. Paul is not saying that it's okay if someone doesn't have food, clothing, and shelter. That's not okay. And we shouldn't be content in seeing people in that kind of position or being in that kind of position. And we should pray for people in that situation. We could help those people to win it, whatever way, whether it's to find work, to help them, to provide for them where appropriate, whether helping through food bank, debt advice that you guys do so brilliantly, through helping people into work, whatever it is, actually the critically poor, we should be those who are compassionate towards. The second category then is the covetous poor. The covetous poor, Paul says, those who want to get rich. So these people don't think in their eyes that they are rich enough. They envy the rich. They want more than they've got. They're not content with what they've got. As someone once said, gold 
is like seawater. The more you drink, the more thirsty you get. And that's the case, isn't it, with those who are never satisfied with money. As it says in Ecclesiastes, whoever loves money never has money enough. And so we're talking here about somebody who is greedy and who will resort to whatever means, foul or fair, mainly foul, to get rich. And it says the love of money is a root of many evils. Not the only root of all evils, but a root of many evils. And it can lead to all sorts of things, can't it? Fraud and perjury and family breaks up, breakups and bust-ups. It can lead to drug pushing and people trafficking and selling pornography and uh, blackmail and betrayal and all kinds of evil. And many people have been pierced with many griefs through that. And of course, it can also show itself in more subtle ways in our lives, perhaps through just being selfish, selfish behavior, a work-life balance that isn't good and healthy, where we neglect our friends and our family for long seasons of time. There's always times when we're a bit pushed, but if it's permanently the state we're in, then there's something wrong. And so let me encourage you today, let us be people who work hard and by all means seek to better ourselves, get that promotion, do that masters, work hard to please God, but don't do it just to get as rich as you can. Do it to please God, work to please God. It's amazing how God honors those who honor him in the workplace and have good boundaries and do it in a righteous way and do it in the best way they possibly can, not cutting corners, God can honor that kind of person. But we can pierce ourselves with many griefs through trying to be richer than we actually are. And we know that debt and credit cards and buying on credit is one of the risks that we can fall into and the traps we can be fall into on that. I'm not talking here about mortgages and secured loans. We have to be wise with those, of course, but ultimately you can pay those back uh, if you have to. But I'm talking here about unsecured credit and loans. And the Bible does not prohibit that, but I think it warns us about the real dangers of that kind of thing. And too often today what we do is we think we want something now. God hasn't actually given us the means to buy it now. So instead of accepting that discipline and being patient and being content with what we have, we bypass that and take credit, assuming that we'll be able to pay it off in the future. And as I often say, if you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. Sorry about that. But that's what happens, you see. And here's the thing, folks. The heart is deceitful, isn't it? It really is. We always can justify the spending decision. We can, we can say that this is the exception. And if you're married, right, wife and I, uh, she will buy something because it is absolutely essential that, it's, that we get it. Uh, and I can be the one that's like, really, was it? And, and then I can buy something that it, I think is absolutely essential. We have to have it. Why did you need some new running shoes when the old ones would be fine? Okay. But it's a pretty lethal cocktail, isn't it? Because you both end up justifying your decisions and so on. Uh, and, and if we're not careful, we can end up in real difficulties. 
And so actually what we're doing, if we're not careful with credit, is that we're acting impetuously, we're indulging covetousness, we're trying to keep up with the Joneses rather than keeping up with the fear of God. So let's bring, come to our final attitudes. We've seen, and let's have some thumbs again, shall we? Arrogant, the aesthetic. Ooh, let's have some booze as well. The altruistic, yay. Okay, the critically poor. We don't like to see that. The covetously poor, boo. Okay, and finally, the contented poor. Let's have a big yay. The contented poor, okay? In verse 6, Paul says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. I mean, sure, your holiday is under canvas and the person sitting next to you is on a cruise. But you've had a rich time of beauty and relationships and the love of God. I mean, I'm not saying that camping is the only way to do it, all right? Just to be clear. but I will just say this, uh, we, we took our uh, kids on many camping holidays uh, and we would also went to a couple of let holiday lets and we came home one day driving home from the holiday let when they were young and we said, kids, what are your top three holidays of all time? And they then proceeded, having just stayed in a holiday let, to list three of our camping holidays as their favourite holidays. Rich times in the beautiful countryside with streams and loads of things to do and campfires and food and all those sorts of things. Okay, so the contented poor, you know, godliness with contentment is great gain. In Deuteronomy 8, it says there that God's tested his people in the wilderness so that they would learn to rely on him, so that they would learn to trust in him. It was, they were, he was testing them. He, he would give them manna and they'd have to keep coming back to God to provide for the next day's provision and then the next day. And each time it was, it was trusting God. I heard an account of an Australian rancher who had a big farm and he had to try to keep his cattle uh, from disappearing into the thousands of acres of ranch land. And uh, one option is to put very expensive fences all around this huge ranch, but very hard to actually achieve. So how do they keep their cattle from disappearing? How do they keep their cattle from to, uh, and make them come back? They have watering holes in strategic places so that the cattle have to keep coming back to the owner. And God does that to us, doesn't he? He, he? he makes us rely upon him. He puts us in a place where we need, Lord, I need you today. I need manna from heaven for this month, Lord. Lord, I'm coming back to you. I'm trusting you again for your provision, for your miracles, for your grace in my life. And it says back in Deuteronomy 8 that God provided for them. He provided food and clothing. Their shoes didn't wear out. He gave them manna each day, and he says, Look, remember that the Lord disciplined you so that it may go well with you in the end. The Apostle Paul says, doesn't he, that he's learned the secret of being content, whether in need or in want, of being content, not in a stoical kind of self-reliant type of way, but in a trusting in God and finding your sufficiency in God kind of way. I can do all things through him who gives me strength, he says in that passage. 
And Paul says in Philippians 4 as well, in verse 19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. If you have a look at that passage, you'll see that that promise comes immediately after they have given a gift to Paul. And Paul says, thank you so much for that generous, sacrificial gift and tithe that you've just given to me. Now my God will supply all your needs. Now let me encourage you folks, however difficult circumstances are, put God first with your money. Give to God. Be faithful in that. Give your first fruits to him and then make a plan to get out of debt or to whatever else it is you need to do. But put God first. Trust him. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, it says this, Keep yourselves from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. That's the promise. Listen, if God did not spare his only son but gave him up for us all, how much more will he not also give us all things? If he became rich, he who is rich became poor so that we might in him become rich, then surely we can be content in him and we can trust him. So there we have our six attitudes. We can see the summary up there, I think, can't we, Dave? Thank you very much. Okay. And let me just finish that story very quickly. Because Kate and I, we had no money, we had no builders, we, we had no plan. Um, our planning application was actually rejected uh, when we went for an, our extension. So it was all looking like it wasn't going to happen. God had spoken to me. I was standing there, the Spirit had come. And I, God then started to put it all together. Money started coming in in different ways. Uh, and uh, builders and plans started coming in. Last summer in May... I ended up living on two building sites, in Odium, at my house, and at the old school. And I'd go from one place, and it was all uh, RSJs and brick dust everywhere, and I'd go back to my house, and it was RSJs and brick dust everywhere. And then it was, it was the whole thing, all the way through six months of chaos. But actually, we've seen amazing miracles of provision. Our old school building, God provided. We had a double gift day. We saw incredible provision amazing provision from God, and we got the job done. The building is now reopened again, and it's being used again for the community, having been remodeled. And back at home, it's nearly finished. It is finished, apart from our little bits. But Kate's got a lovely new utility room, and we've got this annex, which is ready. And then God spoke to us, because we thought, I know what, let's use this annex to make a little bit of money for ourselves, to provide for us. And guess what? We've got some Ukrainians coming to move into it this week. So God led us to go for it, and we're going for it. And uh, a a lady, Olga, and her 11-year-old son and six-month-old baby are arriving this week. Please, Please pray that there are no further issues with the visas and so on for that to come through. But money is an adventure with God. Folks, let's commit ourselves afresh to do things his way. Let's not be arrogant, let's not be ascetics, but let's be altruistic, let's be generous, let's help the critically critically poor, let's not be covetous, but let us be content and let us walk with God 
and let us see his miracles and his provision. Shall we pray together? Can I just encourage you maybe to put your hands out where you are? Just reach out to him. Spirit of God, we honor you. We thank you that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Thank you that you've brought us to this place today because you wanted us to hear you speak to us about this huge issue. So Holy Spirit, I pray for faith into our hearts. I ask you, Lord, where there is anxiety, you'd replace it with peace. Where there is guilt, I thank you, Lord, that you've brought us through a thousand snares and, and you're still good to us and you promise good to us. And so I pray that we might be in a place not of guilt, but knowing your forgiveness and knowing that you're with us and knowing that you're going to watch over us as we put you first. Oh God, I pray for faith for people, faith for miracles in their lives, faith for just daily provision, oh God, faith for new jobs. I feel God's just say, saying to me to someone here who's not sure whether to go for a particular promotion and, he, and he's just say, encouraging me to say, yeah, go for it. You can seek some pastoral wisdom about that. But Lord, I ask you for faith. I pray for faith for our families, faith for our homes, faith for this building, Lord God, to be used for your kingdom, to be completely mortgage-free and ready, oh God, in every way to extend your kingdom more and more. Oh God, we pray for radical faith. We want to walk on a tightrope, but with you holding us, oh God. I want to be trusting you. Oh God, I pray, release us, oh God, from materialism, covetousness. Oh God, help us, Lord, though, to in, to, to enjoy blessings when you do give them to us. So I pray now, seal this word into our spirits, Lord. May we go from here, may we all have miracles to tell of your provision and of your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Andy. That is fantastic. Let's just uh, thank, uh, express our appreciation to Andy. I'm sure Andy would be very happy to answer any questions if you've got some and you want to come and uh, grab him or if you'd like him to pray with you. I'm sure he'd be happy to do that, wouldn't you? And uh, uh, he won't really be legging it straight out of the auditorium as uh, we finish. Uh, we are going to be bringing things to a conclusion in a moment and some refreshments will be served out in the cafe area. Uh, if you're a guest with us, can I um, uh, just highlight we have a welcome pack. It looks like this. It's on the table over there. Uh, if you've picked one up... Um, uh, within it, there's a card which we'd love you to fill in and pop in the offering box over there. And uh, that's just so we've got a record of your visit and can make contact with you. If you've got any questions, come and have a word with myself or um, uh, any of the folk who've been at the front here. And uh, we'd be very happy to help you. Uh, just before we go, though, two further things. Uh, Steve, can I ask you just to stand up? Steve is our CAP Debt Centre Manager. And you may be here today... I'm really struggling with debt. And we have this wonderful service called CAP, 
uh, Christians Against Poverty, and as part of that, we run a debt center here. And you may know somebody, or it may be you, and I just want to highlight that in case you need to have a chat with Steve. He's highly approachable. He's got a brilliant team of folks. Uh, we're here, and we'd love to help you if that's appropriate. So that's Steve. Go and find him afterwards if that's uh, appropriate to you. The other thing is, though, you may be feeling God speaking to you about your giving and uh, how you're handling your finances. And if you need help into, uh, with your finances more generally, uh, we're planning on running a money course that's about how to uh, budget and things like that, which will be happening hopefully in the autumn. Um, but in the meantime, if you need help, please feel free to uh, grab one of us as a leadership team. We'd be very, very happy to help or we'll put you in touch with other people who can help you work through the whole thing of budgeting and how you're using your money, uh, or even that sense of faith and the adventure, which I feel Andy really brought to us today, about let's go on adventure together. You may just need someone to talk to, and uh, you can do that in your life group, but also uh, we're really happy to help you doing that uh, as we've gone on lots of adventures of faith, many of us, over the years. So, Please don't uh, walk away from here if you're feeling God speaking to you without grabbing hold of somebody and engaging and talking with that. That was, sorry, a, long, a very long, waffly way of saying that. Um, we're going to finish at this point, so um, uh, let's enjoy fellowship with one another. If you've got children down in the children's work, they're going to be out in three minutes, so please head down pretty much straight away to go and get them. But let's enjoy fellowship uh, with one another. Thanks for being with us. <laughs>